Hey there, everyone. I'm Zach Rusk of the Tuscarawas County Convention and Visitors Bureau. In addition to the beautiful countryside and fascinating historic landmarks in Tuscarawas County, there's also an incredibly robust art scene. There are plenty of opportunities for residents to express themselves or appreciate an artistic display, be it Art on the Alley, Little Theater, Trumpet in the Land, the Kent State Performing Arts Center, or any of the other magnificent venues that call this place home. Tuscarawas County even has its own orchestra, the Tuscarawas Philharmonic, which is undergoing some exciting changes that music lovers won't want to miss out on. Most recently, Scott McPherson, the former director of choral studies at Kent State University, has joined the Philharmonic's artistic staff and looks to lead their choral program into exciting new territory. Scott joins us today to talk about his philosophies and plans for the group's future on the other side of Tusk. Welcome back to The Other Side of Tusk. I'm here with Scott McPherson of the Tuscarawas Philharmonic Chorus. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for being here this afternoon. It's my pleasure to be here. So, Scott, I thought I'd start talking a little bit about your background before you came down to Tuscarawas County and and joined us as director of choruses. Well, my background brought me to Ohio, um, where I've been the last 15 years. Um, I should just say that I recently retired from my position at Kent State University as Director of Choral Studies um, uh, after it. That was 15 years, and then I went before that 15 years at Trinity University in San Antonio, Texas as Director of Choral Studies there. I have uh, six years at the University of Wisconsin-Madison on the faculty, the choral faculty there, and I, I did some of my graduate work and undergraduate work at that same institution. So um, all in all, um, 44 years of teaching, and I just retired in June. And even before I actually retired, I was tapped to come down to Tuscarawas <laughs> Philharmonic. So, uh, but that's my background in a nutshell. I have conducted orchestras and choruses my whole career. My first graduate degree was in orchestral conducting, and then I stayed on at the University of Wisconsin because of a certain individual teaching there. His name is Robert Fountain, and and many Northeast Ohioans know that name. He was at Oberlin as the director of choirs for 23 or 25 years, something like that before he moved on to the position at University of Wisconsin-Madison. So I was fortunate to study with him and teach next to him on the faculty at UW-Madison and learn more from him. And at the same time, keeping my hands in the, both the choral world and the orchestral world throughout my career. Which do you prefer, chorus or orchestra? Oh, that's, that's an impossible question to answer. <laughs> you know, a question I often get that's very similar to that is, is conducting an orchestra different than conducting choir? Do you conduct any differently? And honestly, my conducting style and technique does not change whether I'm with a choir or with an orchestra. However, the repertoire is different. The things one needs to know about voice for choirs, about the literature, and about instruments in the orchestra, that's very different. And so that knowledge does tend to help influence what you're listening for in a rehearsal and everything like that. But, you know, I cannot say that I love one more than the other. I, um, I feel at home with both. Uh, 
separate, and I also feel very much at home doing the major works repertoire for chorus and orchestra. So that's my answer to that. Now, you mentioned that you had been tapped before you had even retired to come down here. Can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up in the Philharmonic sphere? Sure. I've always known about this orchestra since coming to Kent State. I'm very good friends with my former colleague, Jung Ho Kim, who is the music director of the Tuscarawas Philharmonic Orchestra. Jung Ho and I have worked together throughout his entire time at Kent State. His uh, last year, he was uh, hired to be the music director of, of TPO. And so he and I worked together every year, multiple times, collaborating with choral orchestral music. And sometimes I conduct the piece and sometimes on a program I would conduct some and he would conduct some and he'd come to chorus rehearsals and I'd go to orchestra rehearsals. You know, conductors can sometimes be strong-willed about how they interpret something musically or rehearsal style or whatever that could be, you know, sometimes so different from one another that, that people would have some disagreements. Jung Ho and I are very different conductors, but we also really respect each other's musicianship, and we've just been very close friends ever since he came to to Kent. So when he told me that he had been hired by the University of North Carolina at Greensboro, one of the first things he said to me in the phone call where he said, hey, Scott, I got the job at Greensboro. I don't know what to do because I'm so worried about having just had one year with Tuscarawas, and I don't want to leave that job. And I said, you don't have to leave that job. Conductors all over the world commute sometimes long distances from Europe to the States and so forth to conduct more than one orchestra. So I said this would be more about your ability to schedule time away from Greensboro to come back and work with the Tusca group. So he got to thinking about that. And, and, and I also said, I'd be glad to help out whenever you're absent. Now, he had invited me, by the way, before that even transpired, I remember being invited to come down. He wanted me to coach the choir on Messiah, on on your preparation for Messiah last year. I had a really great time and I felt really good with the chorus and got feedback from people and uh, how much fun they had with that rehearsal. Jung Ho is more an orchestral person. And so he was there taking notes and really enjoying watching me work with a choir. And then he invited me to come back for your opera arias and choruses concert that was that spring. And so with those two, times here, it was kind of a smooth transition between Jung Ho and me to say, well, you know, anytime you can't be here, I'll help out. So he said that he would talk to Claire, the, the executive director. The next thing you know, we're, we're in a meeting and, and basically they created this position of associate conductor of the orchestra and chorus master. So I wholeheartedly agreed to take that and help Jung Ho out. So, so far, this has been a really smooth season. I feel like everybody's in support of both of us, uh, both from an administrative point of view and the players. I think everybody is pleasantly surprised with working with me. So far, everything is going smooth. When you describe your background, it seems like you've conducted or or taught or you know have experience kind of all over the country, presumably with a lot of different types of ensembles. Is this your first volunteer chorus that you've worked with? 
Not at all. I, uh, as part of my duties at Kent State University for 15 years, I've conducted the Kent State University ensemble called Kent Chorus. But that group is also what we call a town and gown choir. You have students registered for the course, that's the gown, and the townies are community members, and it's volunteer. There are no paid singers in it. They're, the students in it, if they're registered for it, are getting a grade. But it's, it's very similar to this group. I've had work at, at Trinity University. I had a group called Choral Union where I did the same thing. I combined student choirs and then I invited faculty, staff, alumni, community members, and so forth. This is part of the fabric of any choral conductor at any institution is to work with groups like this. Community choirs, I've been asked to guest conduct at several in the Northeast Ohio area. And church choirs, I have a vast church choir history. You learn the ropes of, of working with all kinds of different people, different talent levels, different backgrounds in music, and that's the beauty of it. In your rehearsals, you're very detail-oriented. So it's very clear that you have a standard, you have a very specific idea of what you want. Now, when it comes to enforcing that standard, what is the difference in approach between a volunteer chorus or a professional and or college chorus? And that's a good question because I teach my conducting students or have taught my t conducting students that no matter the age group of the people they're conducting or the level, be it amateur, be it uh, high school, middle school, college or professional or community, your approach as a conductor is the same. It's to get the very best out of the people that are standing in front of you. That means understanding what they're capable of doing and knowing that none of these levels of, of singers are going to approach perfection, but you strive for perfection. So one of the things I've happily gone after is with no, every group that I've worked with is to place the standard high, place the, the bar high so they really have to continuously work. I think that's what people want. I think they want to be challenged. They want to feel as though they're getting better individually and as a group. I am the proud founder of three professional level groups, professional group of called San Antonio Chamber Choir, which I started in 2005. And I started a group in Cleveland called the Cleveland Chamber Choir. And lo and behold, I, I picked up another ensemble, even with a professional group. My standards are high. Of course, I know that they're capable, singer for singer, of higher quality results because, number one, they're being paid. Number two, they have much more experience and training as musicians. I did have one group that I started that I did for many years in Wisconsin. After I moved to San Antonio, some people that I used to conduct in Madison wanted to start a choir and, and have me as their conductor. So I went up there and in 2002, I started a group called the Isthmus Vocal Ensemble in Madison, Wisconsin. And that group grew from about 35 singers their first year to some years 65, 70 singers. And it was volunteer, but uh, very high-level volunteers, people with lots and lots of choral singing experience. A lot of people who sang for me or my mentor in Wisconsin before I left. So... There was this rich tradition, and, and um, that group also I, I really achieved professional results. I've been invited to Beijing, China, three, three years in a row to work with some choirs there. And while I was there, without me even having any uh, notice in, in advance, I was told, 
at the after one rehearsal of this adult choir, then I was told by the people that were sponsoring me, well, tomorrow you're going to be conducting a children's chorus. And it's like, whoa, I've never conducted a children's chorus in my entire career. And uh, so what am I going to do? Then? And I just thought I was a little nervous because it wasn't what I was used to. But uh, I threw myself into that thinking, you know, what, what people get together to sing for is, is the joy of singing, the joy of music making, whatever level it is. So what I have to do is come up with ways to help the children through whatever we do that day feel like they're having fun. And, and of course, with younger groups, they really need to have fun. But that's not also untrue for adult choirs. They have to feel like they're having fun as well. But the fun is a little bit different, you know? Sometimes fun is working really hard at something and, and seeing your, uh, yourself accomplish it. But with these little kids, especially with the language barrier and having a translator I just changed all of the things I did and used references with like animals instead of whole notes and half notes and, and, and how fast or slow they would go. And it just turned out to be a great fun time. When that workshop was over and the, the translator announced to them that it, that it was over to thank me, they all applauded and the kids, 45 kids, ran down off the riser and basically tackled me. And I'm, there are pictures of me on the floor with all these kids around me, and they're, they're so cute. They just, and you know, I just worked hard with them, just like I do any other group. I love that. And that's how I approached the, the Tuscarawas Philharmonic Chorus. I, I welcome anybody of any singing level to come and sing with us. They have to have a passion for singing and a passion for being together with others to sing. And for, you know, for making music a creative art, uh, for what it does for our mental states, our health. Uh, there's so much research out there that says singing in a choir is really good for people. It sounds like no matter what the ensemble is, the key is just to always hold a high standard and to enforce that. So in a way, the folks that are in the Tuscarawas Philharmonic Chorus are getting the same treatment as a professional level choir. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If if they were to come and watch me work with a professional group, they would respond and, and, and they would say, that's exactly what he, he does with us. That being said, I understand the difficulties of the music that I'm giving the Tuscarawas Philharmonic Chorus. And I know that perhaps the journey from Day one to concert is a little harder in some cases and longer, takes more time. Whereas with my professional groups, we have two weekends of rehearsal and then a concert of extremely difficult music, challenging music, where that same kind of music, uh, I wouldn't, some of that music I wouldn't even program with an amateur uh, volunteer group. But there's also pieces of music that we can do that are just tremendously rewarding. Picking the right music for the choir that you're working with is also terribly important. So with that in mind, what do you have in store for the future of the Philharmonic Chorus? So coming up in the, in the uh, spring 2024 part of our season, in March, on March 2nd, we're going to do Vaughn Williams' Five Mystical Songs with the very fine baritone that I've heard of sitting right next to me interviewing me. <laughs> I wouldn't um, know a thing about that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to working with you on that because it really does, it's a set of pieces that features the baritone, but it's also a wonderful choral part as well. 
We're doing a piece by Vaughan Williams called Oh Clap Your Hands for Brass Ensemble, Timpani and Chorus. Then later in the semester or the spring, April, we're doing a, a concert with the three tenors from Texas. And, and uh, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure of the music that, that they are programming, but the chorus is going to be involved in that one. In the next season, Jung Ho and I are working together to program music. We are hoping to do another Yuletide program in December for sure possibly incorporate some of the Messiah, which has been a tradition for around here. And we're think, trying to think of ways of doing both in one concert rather than two separate concerts, so as not to overly stress people out. And then we will, in the spring of 2025, hopefully do some major work with the chorus and orchestra as well. That piece is not yet planned. But that's kind of how I see my role as long as I'm here working with the Tuscarawas Philharmonic Chorus, is to program music that is rewarding to sing, challenging to do. I might challenge the group and the orchestra to do music that's outside of their box, music that, wow, I've never done anything like that before, sort of thing. I believe that if I'm convinced of a piece being a good piece, that, that I can convince the performers under my direction in the end that that's a good piece. It might startle them at first as being very different, but it might also end up being a rewarding lesson in learning new styles. It's also good for our audiences. So I will always keep that back in the back of my mind. Uh, right now, there's a really important push in the whole arena of orchestral and choral music to program music by women's composers and to program music of black composers or what we call BIPOC composers to give the, those composers opportunity that hasn't been given to them in the past. And so those, uh, Zhang Ho, Kim, and I are, are both looking at that and seeing what we can find. So there are some real gems out there that I'd like to do. One piece in particular, Cecilia McDowell is a ph phenomenal British composer. Um, her Da Vinci Requiem is really beautiful for chorus and orchestra. So lots of exciting things to look out for in the very near and not so near future, it sounds like. Yeah, and one of my, one of my really important goals with this choir now this it's a symphonic choir, is to, is to get it to grow. I'd like to see us double in size from what we are now. We're, what, 45 singers or so? If we had 70 or 80 singers, I would be as happy as can be with them. I'm happy with the people that are there now. They've been working really hard and uh, improving week to week. But when you sing with an orchestra, it's kind of important to have a bigger choir just for the, for the balance and volume. So if you're interested in joining, feel free to check out the website, www.tuscarawasphilharmonic.org. Visit the Chorus tab. There's a very easy link to find. You can just jump right down to that, and we'll set you up with all the information you need. Scott, is there anything you'd like to add that I didn't think to ask about? Um, only that it's been an extreme pleasure working with these groups, the orchestra and the chorus, and uh, meeting you and getting to work with you. And it's, the, the feeling is most mutual. <laughs> thank Scott, you. thank you so much for joining right. me today. You're welcome. Check out the Tuscarawas Philharmonic's website, www.tuscarawasphilharmonic.org, to learn more about joining the chorus. Or send an email to tpac at tuscarawasphilharmonic.org. You can learn more about other attractions in the area at the Tuscarawas County Convention and Visitors Bureau's website, www.traveltusk.com, or by calling 1-800-527-3387. 
If there's someone you'd like to hear on the other side of Tusk, let me know at office at traveltusk.com. I'm Zach Rusk, and we'll see you next time on the other side of Tusk.